This is Wilson from F3 Dayton with your weekly QSource topic, where we review a chapter of the QSource while also hearing a classic episode of the 43 Feet podcast featuring Dread and Dark Helmet. This week's topic from the book is Q3.2, Mutual Competence, the general alignment of skill within a shared leadership team. When it comes to the idea of shared competence, I think of basketball. Certainly there are areas of specialization, but everyone on the team must possess a fundamental degree of dribbling, passing, shooting, and rebounding. It doesn't matter what your position is, you need this basic skill set. But that's a civilian analogy. In this cue point, Dredd tells an awesome story about being blown away when his commanding officer, a colonel, accepted the invitation from a sergeant to break down a 50 caliber machine gun and did it so well he could probably do it blindfolded. So actually there's a correlation between my illustration and Dredd's illustration. You shoot baskets, you shoot 50 caliber machine guns. At any rate, Dredd has written three main points regarding mutual competence. First, competence is critical to group prosperity. To be effective, a group must be in constant motion towards the accomplishment of the underlying purpose that initially brought its members into combination. Loss of momentum transforms lizard organizations into bullfrogs and causes teams to morph into clubs. Because bullfrogs and clubs are groups that focus on existential continuity rather than advantage, they are not effective. A group's momentum is initiated and maintained by its mission, which is the designated course of action taken to achieve its articulated purpose. A course of action, a COA, is an integrated scheme of tasks and event. A task is an action performed while an event is something that occurs, whether planned for or not. For example, baking a wedding cake is a task, while the wedding reception is an event. Second, mutual competence is an essential element of shared leadership. While all teams have a set of METs, mission essential tasks, that are unique to their mission, all SLTs share a common MET, the application of the leadership skills, vision, articulation, persuasion, and exhortation. The members of an SLT must be mutually competent in their application for it to effectively perform its mission of providing virtuous leadership to the larger group. Because it is one of the essential elements of an SLT, it must be present among the members for them to effectively conspire to the advantage of providing virtuous leadership to the group they serve. Without mutual competence, the SLT will be ineffective. Finally, mutual competence starts with the Q's individual competence. Inculcating mutual competence within an SLT begins with the Q. He cannot set and maintain high standards for his team unless he can meet them himself. This is a basic premise of leadership by example that is reflected in the F3 admonition, don't cue it if you can't do it. A leader must be individually competent to call his followers forth to mutual competence. On paper, this sounds both obvious and necessary, but in practice, it is one of the most difficult challenges a leader faces. As a man rises through the leadership ranks of the group, he will find an ever-increasing amount of his time being taken by things that have little to do with the group's missional essentials task. 
As his responsibilities grow, his opportunities to stay competent shrink. To ensure that he is able to skillfully perform his METs, he needs to build routines that enable him to continually practice the skills that made him a leader in the first place. And with that as an overview, here's the substantive portion from a classic episode of the 43 Feet Podcast talking about mutual competence. You know what I think we ought to do? Probably roll the open. Yeah, roll the open. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers, and I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. So th- this week's topic, okay. as we uh, have discussed a little bit previously, is mutual competence, which makes sense that it follows right behind shared leadership. As soon as you realize you have to share leadership with another man in order to be effective, you sure as heck better figure out if that dude's competent. You're going to start thinking, what can yeah. this guy do? Because right. if i got to share some responsibility <clears throat> with him, I kind of want to know if he's kind of want to know if he can handle it. So yeah. the, the three Socratics, uh, which are the thought... Oh, I forgot to mention. This is Q3.2. If you happen to be following that. <laughs> in right, this so. somewhat idiotic numbering system. <laughs> I've been practicing exactly, all, I've right. been practicing for the last two years. Do you think Dewey Decimal would be upset about the numbering system? You know what? He's dead. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Tap out to uh, the Decimal family. And uh, we love you, Dewey. God, but not forgotten. <laughs> we're making good progress on that sick Can you believe we're not being paid for all this fun? Shocking. This is incredible. Shocking. Oh my gosh. We got paid in Pellegrino. Um, Dred's like, uh, three... so no more trips out of the country. <laughs> exactly. He's like, and, uh, I can't leave. Uh, we are going to, I know we said we were going to finish the Q right. source this year. Uh, we're just going to cancel it. Right. We're just, this whole yeah. thing's over. All right. The three Socratics, which are the thought provoking okay. questions. Number one, is competence important to group success? We don't say anything yet, right? Uh, we typically read all the questions, gotcha. but, but that but very they, vigorous head nodding <laughs> no, that you're doing. Oh, no, I'm into it. I'm yeah. taking and it all principal's in. principal's not here, I'm getting so provoked. things. That's I'm right. getting provoked. Does every member of the team, this is Socratic number two, does every member of a team have to be equally competent? Okay. And number three, how competent must the leader be? Three thought-provoking questions. So I think we can all agree that in order to be effective, a group you know has to be in constant motion toward the accomplishment right. of their underlying purpose. Yep. Right. And hopefully their stated purpose, their articulated purpose. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just Ho- kind of you you're just kind of here. <clears throat> right. And what I'm doing is this hand motion that shows yes. me moving it a forward. A flattish but it's really line. not doing yeah, it. But we don't we don't do deceler. I nope. mean, we don't do a status quo, right? Nope. We, it's either Disrupting. So <clears throat> yeah. So anytime you lose momentum, yeah. that's when. You know your your good solid culture of lizardness. Lizard becomes a bullfrog. Right, right. So you know I've worked in and around nonprofits for a long time, yes. and you can see organizations with the greatest of purpose, greatest of intention, fall into this stagnant kind of ability of just sort of moving along. Yeah, which brings up an interesting question. I'm, and I'd like to ask you: Have you ever kind of firsthand because 
in in my work as a uh, formerly a co- you know, corporate communications yeah. genius, yeah. Uh, professional whiz, right? Yeah. Whiz, mm. man about town. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Um, sort of the Don Draper of yeah Charlotte. Yeah. I thought you were just gonna say the Don, right? Yeah, right. Sort right. of the Don of Charlotte, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, no, but uh, have you ever witnessed where? You saw a, a company or a nonprofit, some organization where it started, and you thought to yourself, and Pool obviously way in here as well, because what do you do again? Uh, I sell software. Oh, there we go. Okay. There you go. That was pretty close to what I told you in the car on the yeah, ride over here. Not even close. Um, <laughs> That's I, software in the words. I think, <laughs> well, you said the words software. I did say where. software quite a bit. <laughs> But say software. I didn't say really software. I also, I also said, said Tupperware on the right over. Uh, exactly. He said I mean, the pajamas can be software. It's true, right? Exactly. Uh, Sorry. Wow. Where we a, digress. Where a a at one point it was a lizardish. You know, it was it was smallish maybe, yeah. but certainly it was it was accelerating. It was had good movement and all that kind of stuff. Where you watch it just slowly sort of crumble into yeah, I was in frog. One. I was in one. So I won't name very specifics, but okay. my, one of my first jobs when I moved to DC in 2010 was with a nonprofit that had incredible purpose. Uh-huh. Right? This organization was stood up to aid military families who had lost loved ones in combat. Oh, wow. The mission of this organization was incredibly strong. And certainly there aligns was, with your values. Yeah, but there was an ineffective leader at the helm that got very stagnant in the approach and got to where they were going single donor focused to keep this organization alive and never accelerated the growth, the financial growth of the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, when one major donor is funding an organization like that, in this instance, and they go away, what happens? Yeah. Closing the doors, baby. So there's got to be, there was no acceleration. There was yeah. a great, incredibly strong momentum out the gate. A lot of positive things happening. But yeah. then the acceleration need to happen to keep it moving wasn't there. It, it wasn't there. And it, it just stopped. And, and that, cool. Well, yeah, I guess the other example I've seen is where people have put profit in, in in front of service. Sure. So and their their articulated purpose, which was whatever they wrote on the wall sure. in, in the, the lunchroom, yeah, yeah, which is a lie. Um, they uh, they abandoned that. Correct. Or they didn't even. Maybe they never intended to follow that. What they really were after was profit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And yeah. watched a whole division just wither up and die. Wow. Because people people know what is genuinely in your heart, yeah. and it'll ferret itself out over time. Yeah, I mean, people so will show you, you who they it. are by what they do. Yeah, exactly. They'll so you always show you, you who they are. You can't hide it, but do. so long. So, right? a leader who is saying one thing, doing another, is going to eventually show himself. Yeah. People have, this is how you say this people yeah. going to do what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to do if, what they want to do. If we were from Louisiana, that is exactly that's how we say. would say that. That yeah. zebra's stripes <laughs> ain't changing. <laughs> but it's true because that's what they'll, they'll ultimately do what they want to do or what moves. Yep. whatever they've got forward or if or if it is easier just to not move anything forward and just kind of keep going existentially right they'll continue. just stay there I'll just yeah. stay there and you yeah. can listen people make careers doing that we watch it all the time all the time all the time uh-huh. so groups momentum it, it, while initiated by mission like yeah. we said uh which is you know designed to to follow a certain course of action and perform certain mission essential tasks it it withers if uh if we lose focus on, on that's that right. mission. That's right. And so every group, while it has tasks to perform uh, as part of its course of action, uh, both you know with the individuals in, in the organization and in combination with each other, um, they, 
they all have them. They all are there. There have to, there are things that got to get always did. things that got to get done. Right. You guys talked about it a few <clears throat> weeks ago with diaper changing. There's always exactly. stuff that's got to get done. And then that, those things are the things that are not inside anybody's D2X. Uh-huh. And so, but there are also ones that, that are right? right. But it's the same thing as setting <clears throat> goals and then, all right, so here's the major strategy. Mm-hmm. Now we got tax tactics that are going to get us there. You got to have that strategy in place to keep those tactics moving. Otherwise they're just kind of sitting there. Exactly. So we all we all agree that stuff's got to get did. Yep. And we agree to some degree that uh, focus on mission is is one of the, the critical pieces of making sure that the right things get done. Yeah, at the that's right the times. phrase mission essential tasks, <laughs> right? So otherwise they're just tasks. But yeah. if they're essential to the mission, if you tell somebody, hey, Frank. Yeah. I got five mission essential tasks I need you to get done today. You're going to be like, oh my God, I better get done these yeah. five Roger tasks that. or else the mission isn't happening. Yeah. And in some instances, that could be a life or death sort of situation. But most Maybe of the time not for what we're us, doing on a daily not. basis. But for some people, but it For would some be, people, right? it could be. And that's the problem is you said mission essential, mission essential tasks. So if I have subverted or lost focus of the missions, right. they are no longer essential that's tasks right. to me. You essential and tasks. And therefore, right. my competence for the group is... Uh, effectively toileted right right. so the the question that we asked does every member of a team have to be equally competent i'm interested to hear your thoughts i think there's got to be a level of understanding of of here's where we're all at you gotta at least be here you gotta at least be some minimum i think there's got to be some i hate saying minimum because it feels like you're doing the bare minimum okay but you've got to be able to understand that each guy guy gal whoever at the table of this shared leadership team. Uh-huh. I know that this guy is reliable. Okay. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's a level of reliability. Okay. Because otherwise, if you're going to be dipping down below that, then you're, you're got, not going to help us move problem. forward what we got to do. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. I don't know that it's, hey, everybody's got to be a 10 on some scale, but there's got there to go. be some level of reliability. Sure. Competence. Sure. To move it. So I'm going to take a slightly different tack at it. I like this because uh, yeah. it's probably correct. Go ahead. I, <laughs> well, it's absolutely correct. But I think that if, if you have an organization where all the people are at a certain level, Mm -hmm. you'll never have those new people come in that aren't at that level. And so that's where our six in F3 is such a critical thing. I mean, we were just talking about one of our guys here in Carpex, uh, Frisco, who is so good about going back to the six and making sure those guys feel connected. Mm -hmm. But if we start saying in F3, like if you can't do 10 burpees, well, don't don't show up in the gloom yet, and so because we do say you don't have to train to come out and do this. Get your butt out here and let's yeah. get going. Mm-hmm. You're not point. on the couch, and, so we, and we would better. all agree. So uh-huh. I I think the issue isn't so much what what does the standard need to be to even be in on the table, but right. it's if you're going to stay at the table, then you got to be accelerating to a standard, right? Oh, I like that. And, and when well, I like that. It's good, right? Hey, can we go back and I can say that? That was good. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cut his part out. Like, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I'll cut That's his part out. And That's a good point. It. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. No, it's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah it really is. See Absolutely. what I said earlier about surrounding yourself with guys that know what they're talking about? Kitty's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no dummy. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. That's exactly right. And and so the answer to the question, I think, for and according to the Q source and certainly in my estimation as well, is that just like, you know, early on when we talked in the in the mixed egg and we said, you know, guys confuse what acceleration right. means. I think guys confuse what mutual competence means. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Poole, right, competence means adherence to some standard that we have set. Now, in this case, 10 burpees is not the standard. Right? But the standard is acceleration. 
the standard exactly, in F3 exactly. world and what we think from a leadership yep, standpoint exactly. is always be accelerating. Always Correct. be accelerating. Right. And as long as you are willing to accelerate, we are willing to circle That's back right. for you. That's right. That's but if exactly you just right. give up That's right. and just gonna, sit down, mm -mm. brother, just walk to your car. Fly. We're it's not, not going to You know, that's, that's not how this works, right? Yeah. So the other thing we think of when we think of mutual a lot of times is we think equal. And just like you said, not everybody has to be clicking right. at a 10 because there is a six. Yep. Right. And so it's, it, I'm just going to read this right out of the case. It says, mutual competence does not mean that the skill of every member of the team must be exactly or precisely equal. That'd be impossible as every team will always have its flesh anchor. Thank you very much. At the six and its lead dog at the 12. That's right. As long as the skill gap between the flesh anchor and the 12 is not so great that it hinders the team's acceleration the members will be generally aligned in their mutual competence. That's right. And that's, that's what right. we're shooting for. Yep. Right? And so you have to have, and it's, you know, it's brilliant how these things always build on each other, right? Because at some point we had to have identified what are those things that we agree as mutual competencies. There are five core ones that we five believe core ones, belong yeah. to, right. you know, all groups. But much like Dred talked about, you know, timeliness, uh, or rather punctuality, uh, you know, being important for, uh, you know, a military operation not yep. so important for a rock band. Yep. You know, you have to agree ahead of time on what those things are. So love it. The last question was, how competent must the leader be, according to our standard? Yep. According to, to what we would say, uh, how how competent they must be? I guess the next question would be is for what? For what? Sure. Yeah. What are they leading? <laughs> yeah, what yeah, are they what, doing? Right. Yep. right. So the competence level of uh, you know the king of toilet scrubbers. Maybe slightly different than, you know, four, uh, four star. What was it? Three star. You're dead. Three star. Three star yeah. general. Sorry, I close. Mean, I didn't Almost mean to add a star for no reason. There. Sorry. <laughs> it's always a four star in our hearts. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> depending on what that the the mission essential tasks are, depending on what the group is trying to accomplish, and depending on you know what the mission of the group is, the as to what the competencies may be, but the competence of the group is going to depend on the competence of the queue. That's right. The man tasked with, you know, the, the guy who's responsible for yep, the Yep, who's leading, right. who's out front. Yeah. So it all starts with with that guy's competence. And so, uh, Poole, you were mentioning earlier, like, you, you can't get, I don't remember who you said said it, but you can't give out of what you don't have. Yeah, so another Carpex guy, Swag. Yeah, Swag, you, that's right. You serve out of overflow. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you always get to 100% before you can do anything. No. But if your tank is empty. Uh-huh. And you're trying to serve, you're going to hit the wall, brother. Sure. I mean, well, and if I'm trying to teach yeah. Kitty how to, you know, whatever, uh, persuade, let's say, but I couldn't persuade my way out of a paper bag. Yeah. You know, I, I, on paper, I might be able to show him some things, but I can't teach him much. Exactly. I got to tell you, the timing of this is pretty funny. So I was sitting around with staff. Uh, we were getting ready for a board meeting today. And we were this is at your, your this is my current position, mm -hmm. right? And we were reflecting on, you know, people were just talking about, you know, leadership styles we've seen in the past, you know, all these different dynamics. And I, and I said, you know, you probably walk around with a big old sack on your back of things that you shouldn't do based on what you've seen out of what you would classify as bad leaders. Or you could use incompetent leaders here. You collect some of those things. You, you hope that your bucket of good things to do is maybe a little bit heavier than your bucket of things not sure, to do. Sure. But you might walk around with those as you're going and you might pull, look into that bucket every now and then and say, oh yeah, I remember that leader used to do this thing. I'm not going to do that how I lead or how I, you know, operate. So I think if you take some of those things that you see along the way where people have been incompetent or, you know, have stepped out of line with leadership, right. you know, you can take a little bit of that, but you'll know, I mean, you know, you can spot 
right. incompetence. Oh, yeah. And if yeah, someone, yeah. and if, especially if they're masquerading as something else, mascotting, ooh, well, you mascot. can see it, man. Yeah. You can see it. They'll yep. know. And I think a fear of a lot of leaders is, is being discovered for that. Being discovered for inadequacy or yeah. incompetence. And that's why they fake and why they rely on right. ego and why they, they react out of a yeah. uh, sort of a reactive energy of Instead of, of being like, I don't know this. Yeah. I need to bring somebody in on my team that maybe does. Right. And using creative energy right. of, of humility and, uh-huh. and team you know teamwork and that uh-huh. kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but that's perceived as weakness. <clears throat> and so people in well, our culture. Goo have, would have you believe that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Oprah bomb would say, you know, don't be weak. Right. And I don't think that's one of her Oprah problems. But she probably I, wouldn't because yeah. she'd be like, weakness is strength or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're stronger when you're weaker. I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Is, are, are there some. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> but thanks for playing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what, you were going to say something else? That's it. That's okay. All, okay. No, I, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm I looked, in, I looked over I'm there in. and I thought, I thought there was another thought. Well, I, no, think, I, just, I think I was going to say that it, you have to fight against that as a leader to say sometimes I'm going to model being strong by being weak. In other words, I'm going to say I'm vulnerable here. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. going to show how I can really be a leader mm-hmm. because my people need to see that too. Right. Cause that gives them an opportunity to fill those gaps. Well, I mean, do you, do you instill a culture where failure is okay? Right. So are right. you in a 100%. situation where you're a leader that says we don't fail in anything. We're perfect all the time. Right. Or you're the kind that allows your team to fail at times, right. not intentionally. Who Lombardi says, we're not going to get perfection, but if we chase it, we'll get excellence. We'll get excellence. Yeah. Right. And so you got to, you got to set that. And that means sometimes going to your team and say, Hey team, I need to talk to you about something that a misstep I had this week. Yep. Yeah. You know, I thought this strategy session was going to go this way. I thought this pitch was going to go this way and it took a left turn and I screwed it up. Right. Here's how I screwed it up. But I think here's how we can make it better. Right. That's going to let them know and it's huge. okay. Because yep. it, it is all born. And we talk about this all the time, but the, the underpinnings of everything that we talk about in Q source and F3 and really in virtuous leadership in general, because everything we talk about is underpinned with truth, capital T and love. That's it. Right. You can you can roll your life into those two things. Brother, you're gonna be doing just fine. You're gonna be doing okay. Because yeah. speaking truth without love, that's a hammer. That's a, <laughs> speaking just love. What right. do you have to do? That's to your not kids? very helpful. Hey, I love you, and, but I'm gonna tell you what's up. Yeah, man. Because I have to. Yep. Trust me. One day you'll see. But like I. And have as long to as tell you me. have gotten right, right, and you're not being a hypocrite, of course. You know, overly. Right. We all are. But, but if you come at it from a position of love, right, totally different deal. Right. You're good. Absolutely. I'm gonna read you a story. Uh, this is from Dreddy. He says, when I was a young infantry lieutenant, the colonel who commanded my battalion was a powerful leader. One day I had my platoon assembling and disassembling the 50 caliber machine gun, which was a mission essential task for them. The colonel was observing this training when one of my sergeants asked him if he wanted to give it a shot. No pun intended. I thought it was kind of a wise arc, uh, wiseacre move, uh, given that the man may not have touched a 50 cal in the 20 years since he had been a young lieutenant. Given the amount of responsibility he had as a battalion commander, he had bigger fish to fry. I hoped he would just laugh it off so that nobody got in trouble, right? But I was wrong. Without a word, the colonel dropped down to the sergeant, or dropped down next to the sergeant, disassembled the gun, and put it, put it together just like he had done it yesterday. When he was done, he stood back up, told me to carry on, and walked calmly away. His competence amazed my men and gave us all great confidence in his leadership. Maybe a year later, with that incident long forgotten, I found myself as the battalion duty officer, which meant I had to spend the night at battalion headquarters. Hearing a noise from the colonel's office, I walked down the hall to investigate and found him on the floor 
with the components of a 50 cal spread around him. Stay sharp, stay sharp. Since he spent most of his day pushing paper, I couldn't understand why in the world he was messing around with a machine gun in his office at midnight. But it not being my place to question the commander, I wished him a good night and went back to my desk, which is when it hit me. That's how the colonel was able to, quote unquote, amaze my platoon mm-hmm. the year before. There was nothing amazing about it. This man worked at it. He practiced in order to remain competent. The reason he did it at night was that his day was taken up with other duties, the ones that kept him behind a desk. And then something else occurred to me too. But I couldn't test my theory until I saw my old sergeant the next day. Hey, I asked him, do you remember that, that time you asked the colonel if he wanted to turn or wanted to turn on the 50 cal and he blew us all away? Yes, sir, the sergeant said. What about it? At the time, I thought you might have been messing with him a little, but it's the opposite, isn't it? You did it because you knew he could do it just like he did it. You did that to give our platoon confidence in the chain of command. That's right. The sergeant just smiled at me and walked away. And that is how shared leadership is supposed to work. Amen. They know what they got above them. Right. And they got to see it. So, Kitty, I got to tell you, sometimes you just don't know what's going to come up. Uh, And so you've got to be prepared all the time. And to do that, kind of going back to the mixed egg, you gotta you gotta work that rhythm, man. Gotta work it. Because work to it. everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. Sometimes there's a time to build up and a time to break down. Time to dance and a time to mourn. Every once in a while, pool, there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. You know what? Brother, I, I don't know I how to tell like you. I feel like you've this. been waiting for that your whole life. Maybe you <laughs> nailed it. I don't you know got- how to tell you this, but I got a face for radio. <laughs> got, you at least got the eyes for it. Yeah, but you know what, Dart? What's that? This ain't the radio. W- what is it? This is a podcast. It is! <laughs> Let's go! Oh. Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. A time of-